Hey, good morning, folks. Welcome to church. Great to see you here, and welcome to those joining us live stream. Welcome to church online. Welcome these guys. Go for it. Good to have you with us. Very much part of our congregation. It's great to see that uh, ministry growing and advancing. So, hey, if you're well, if you're visiting with us, very, very warm welcome. If you're joining us for the first time online, great to have you connecting. As Sarah said, one church in five locations, and uh, one of our locations is online, but four physical locations next year. We're launching at least one new location. Very exciting. And so watch this space. We'll be telling you more about that. Uh, we, we know God loves you. And you might not know that today. You might not have ever engaged with that thought. Maybe, maybe everything in your life tells you that he doesn't love you. But uh, God does love you. Whether you believe it or not, or whether you feel it or not, God loves you. And because of that, uh, we gather and we want to tell you about the love of God. We want you not just to hear about it, we want you to experience it and allow that love of God to change and impact your life. Let's, let's pray and we're going to ask for the Holy Spirit, mighty God among us, just to touch our lives and impact us. God, we give thanks to you today so much that you love us. Thank you, God, that your love is not passive. It's sleeves rolled up. It's moving somewhere. It's, it's for us. We give thanks to you, God, that we can't escape your love. We thank you, God, that your love is relentless, it's persistent, it doesn't quit, it's unconditional. And God, I pray that today people, whether this is their, their umpteenth time here and connecting, or whether this is the first time they're connecting, I pray today your love will touch our lives. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, you truly are our rock. God, you're a speaking God. I pray just now as we turn to the Bible, you speak into our hearts and lives. Change us, we pray. We invite you to change us. Just pray a quiet prayer under your breath. Just ask God to meet with you and just to change your life just now. Just pray that prayer. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you today about the subject of hospitality or welcoming people. Uh, There was a homeless guy, and he was walking around through a very wealthy area of town and he came to a particular guy's house, and he went up and knocked the door. And he said to the, the, the guy who opened the door, he said, what can I do for you? And he said, well, listen, I'm really, really hungry. I haven't eaten for several days now. I wonder if you'd be kind enough to share some food with me. And so uh, the, the wealthy guy said, listen, I've not got to where I am in life today by giving things away for free. So if you want some food, we would love to give you some food, but I want you to go around the back, and you'll see our porch. And if you, there's a tin of paint there and a clean brush, and I want you to give it a lick of paint. And if, if you can paint my porch, then you can come back around and I will give you some, uh, and, and I will give you some food. So the guy disappeared off. One hour later, the guy comes around and rings the doorbell again. And uh, the, the, the guy who owns the house said, that was really quick. How did you do it so quickly? And the guy said, oh, it was dead easy. Just, just did, painted the porch and, and then here I am. I said, well, that's great. Well, come on and get some food. And as he's sitting down to have his meal, he was saying, this is so kind of you. By the way, you don't really know your cars very well. That's not a Porsche around there. That's a, that's a BMW. <laughs> the idea of welcoming strangers, welcoming people who are different to you, making people feel incredibly welcome is a totally and utterly biblical idea. I want to talk to you about it. It's life-giving. But we're living in a city that actually isn't always the most welcoming. In 2007, Edinburgh was voted the best place in the UK to live. Let's hear it for Edinburgh. Yay. You ought to live there, folks. It's a great place. 
According to the Location, Location, Location TV program, 2007, it was voted the best place to live in the UK. Best lifestyle with shops, bars, and restaurants. Best culture with more museums and galleries than any other local authority has. Uh, the lowest crime rates. You're five times less likely to be a victim of violent crime than the national average. Hooray! Get to live. Education. 50% of adults have a degree. Wow. Strongest economy outside of London. It's a beautiful place. It's got the highest concentration of listed buildings in the UK. That's Edinburgh. That's our city. That's, that's where we live. We love it. But you know also, in 2008, another survey was published by the BBC, and they revealed that in 2008, according to their survey, that Edinburgh was the loneliest place to live in the UK. Apparently, Edinburgh pensioners are also the loneliest in the UK. 65, over 65s are less likely to spend time with friends and family in Edinburgh than they are with any other place in the UK. Pensioners in Edinburgh disclose that on, our, on average, they spend less than one hour a day socializing. Lonely place for many people in Edinburgh, even though it's a beautiful place. But God's called us as a church to be hospitable. I'm going to take you to three verses in the Bible that talk about hospitality. And these three verses give us three t- ways that hospitality can impact. First of all, hospitality impacts you and me. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Read that with me. One, two, three. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And why would it say without grumbling? Okay? I mean, this wasn't a Scottish crowd. Why would it say without grumbling? Well, it's because you think of hospitality something different to the way they think of hospitality in the Bible. You see, if hospitality is just you having your mates around, you think, why would you want to grumble about that? That's cool. And while hospitality does include that, in the Bible, hospitality goes so much further than just having your mates around. You see, the kind of hospitality the Bible talks about would make you want to grumble at times because we, it's very uncomfortable. The word hospitality in the Bible, as you know, the New Testament is written in Greek, is the Greek words philio exonai. Say philio and exonai. Comes from two words, philio and xenos. Now, you will reckon, recognize philio. Philio, think about an American city. What's the city I'm thinking of? Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love. Okay, philio is the Greek word for brotherly love. So that's the first bit, philio, xenos. Well, we have a word like that in our language, xenophobia. What's xenophobia? It's a phobia, it's a person who has a problem with people who are foreign or who are strangers, right? So um, philio, xenos, translates brotherly love towards strangers or foreigners. It means you're treating like a brother someone who hasn't got your mother, okay? It's treat, you're treating like a brother someone who is a stranger to you. You're treating a total stranger, someone you've never met before, like a brother or like a sister. That's what it's saying, hospitality. And that's why you might be tempted to grumble, 
Because that's not easy, right? Easy to have people who are like you. Your mates hang, come around, hang out. No grumbling at that one. But you will grumble when you hang out with people who are totally different to you, because at times they will wind you up the wrong way. Say amen. amen. Okay, so let's go a little bit deeper here. In English, our word for hospitality is an action. It's describing something we do for others, isn't it? Hospitality means, oh, well, I open up my home, I kind of set the table, I cook a meal. That's hospitality. It's a physical action. But as we've just seen, in the Greek language, it's not describing an action. Rather, it's describing a heart. It's describing a person, an agenda within a person. See the difference? You see, in English, hospitality is when you welcome someone into your home. In the Bible, hospitality is when you welcome someone into your heart. You opened your heart to someone. It's actually possible to open your home and not your heart. It says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. It's dead easy to put on the show of hospitality, but in reality, you don't actually love the person. It's also possible to open your heart to someone, but not your home. And that's okay. Jesus did this all the time. Jesus, there's not many records of Jesus opening his home, you know, kind of putting his doilies out, cooking a meal for them. What would you like today? You know, you don't see, why? Well, I kind of don't see many references to Jesus having a home. So Jesus didn't, he, he operated in hospitality and he opened his heart to so many people. And yet he didn't have a home to open. So we, we see that Jesus just loved people. He just welcomed people. He loved the religiously rejected, the sinners, the tax collectors, uh, the, the prostitutes, the people who were notorious of his day. Jesus Christ welcomed them, loved them. He, he welcomed those who were culturally rejected. So he welcomed the, the, the Samaritans and the Gentiles, people who were not Jewish. And most Jewish people were very racist towards the Samaritans and the Gentiles, but not Jesus. Because he opened people's, his heart to people and welcome people and love them, and that's God. Let's just dig a little bit deeper even further. Jesus teaches that hospitality isn't just hanging out with people like you. He said in Luke chapter 14, verse 12, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Hospitality is loving and welcoming people who are different to you. It's young folks, teenagers here, going to reach out to someone who's older than you reach out to an elderly person. It's uh, Africans among you reaching out to some of the Asians. It's the Asians reaching out to some of the British people. It's not just hang, and it's it's not that you don't hang out with people like you. It's it's that you don't just hang out with people like you. It's it's, it's not that you you don't give hospitality to people who are like you. It's just that you just don't just do that because everyone just does that. And what God is saying is, it's not the, the way I want you to live, and it's a reflection of his very character, is that you don't just hang out with that type of people, the people who are like you. You actually open your hearts and your lives to people who are not like you. And that's exactly what the early church did. And it's actually exactly what 
you folks do. We're, I love that we're an international, uh, multi-ethnic, multi-social class, different, back, different educational backgrounds. Some of you be highly educated, some of you no education, some of you are very rich, some of you have no money at all, some of you are from different parts of the world. I love that we're that kind of church. And the early church was like that. There was a Greek philosopher, Aristides, and he described the early church. And this is what he said. When they see a stranger, they bring him into their home and rejoice over him as a true brother. And there is, an, and there is among them a man who is poor and needy. And if they have not an abundance of necessity, they will fast two or three days that they may supply the needs with the necessary foods, the needy with the necessary foods. Such is the law of the Christians, and such is their conduct, said this Greek philosopher who wasn't a Christian. He was an unbeliever, and yet he looked on at the church, and he saw how, wow, they're radical. If someone's poor among them, they go without food so they can share their food with the poor. It's just a radical lifestyle of generosity and blessing. I remember when I was 17 years old, I got into conversation. It was, it was a little bit later in the year, maybe December time. I was in Glasgow City Centre, and I got into conversation with a homeless guy, and he was, he was skippering. That means he didn't have a hostel he was staying at. He was sleeping rough. At that time of the year, I mean, skippering at any time is brutal, but that time of the year is exceedingly brutal. And I remember getting into this conversation with the guy, and I was telling him about Jesus, and I got him some food. And, and I, I just remember feeling, I can't just say goodbye to this guy and let him go back to staying, you know, in, in, a, in a shop front or, you know, at, a, at an air vent around the back in some alleyway. So I, I said to him, what, we've got a spare room back at my house. Why don't you come back and, and stay with us? Now, that, was, that wasn't me being generous. It was my mum and dad's house, okay? <laughs> and on the way home, as I was going back, I phoned mum and dad. Mum and dad, I'm bringing a guy back with me tonight, and he's a homeless guy, and he just hasn't got anywhere to eat, sleep, and it's, and it's really cold outside. Are you okay with that? And they didn't really have much of an option, all right, other than to when he arrives at the door saying, so sorry, you have to get the bus back into town. So, but, but without hesitation, mum and dad said, yes. Now, it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't that that, that was something they always did. They never did that. But without hesitation, they had their faith in Jesus. Without hesitation, they said, yeah. And so that night, the guy stayed the night. Next morning, he went his way. You know, everything was fine. Uh, but, it, you know, so I'm not saying that as, as it look at me. I'm saying that as look at my mom and dad. So they opened their home to someone who was totally out of their comfort zone. They'd never done that before. And what I noticed actually is it changed them. Changed them. They, within a few months of that, they started volunteering every week in a homeless shelter that Destiny Glasgow was running in the city center. So they would be there every week down at the homeless shelter because their hearts were changed in that moment with a compassion for people who were not like them. Do you know this whole idea of being hospitable, not just hanging out with those who are like you, but loving people who are not like you? is actually in the very heart of God himself. Did you know that God is the ultimate host? Uh, God wants to welcome you eternally into his dwelling. God wants to be in relationship with you eternally. Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 14, he gave this parable. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent out his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married. Um, and still another said, well, and the servant came back and reported to his master. 
the owner of the house became very angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys in the town of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited to taste will get a taste of my banquet. This is a bit, this is Jesus telling his parable to give you a cosmic view of God. God's heart for the human race is that God is a God who wants to welcome you and I into an eternal relationship with him. The end of the world will be signified with this big banquet celebration where we will commune with God, we will know God, we will be in close proximity to God. God wants that with you. If you don't know God today, God wants to know you. He wants to bring you into a relationship with him. And he's, he's drawing, in fact, Jesus' death on the cross made that relationship possible. When Jesus died on the cross, the thing that held us back in relationship with God, our sin, it was dealt with on the cross. So that through Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection, we can come into an eternal relationship with God, the creator. And that's why, that's why Jesus came. He was the big wedding invite. He was the big invitation to the banquet. The price has been paid. The banquet is ready. Come into relationship with God if you're lost Come to know God. Don't be lost any longer. And he he puts the invitation to you. The invitation's there. There was a a German couple. He was a professor, and they they had a year exchange in in Edinburgh. And so they were in Edinburgh, and and they they were working in Edinburgh University. And as they were working in Edinburgh, they got an invitation to a wedding of one of his work colleagues, one of the other professors in the university. And it said at the bottom of the wedding invitation, RSVP. Now, in Germany, they didn't have RSVP. They didn't know, so he said to his wife, what is this? What is this RSVP? What, what does this mean? What is this? That was me speaking German. What, 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 is, what is this RSVP? What does this mean? And so they're trying to figure out the codes. They're trying to figure out the codes. And, and then he said, I, I've got it. I've got it. It, it means remember some wedding presents. <laughs> remember some wedding presents. That's what it means, RSVP. Remember some wedding presents. I, and so he misunderstood. He, he, he thought it was a demands. It wasn't a demands. It was an invitation. It was an opportunity. It was an offer. It's not a demands. What RSVP means is, would you like to come? Yes or no? And if you don't reply by the certain date, we'll take that as a no. And God puts out an invitation to the human race do you want to come into an eternal relationship with me through Jesus' death and resurrection, an eternal relationship of love in communion with your Father God who loves you more than you could ever imagine? Yes or no? He's a God who gives an invitation. He's not a God who imposes it upon you. He's a gentleman. He respects your free will. He gave it to you in the first place. It's what it means to be human. It's what it means to be created in the image of God. You have a free will. Will you say yes or no to Jesus Christ? So hospitality impacts you. That's why it says, do this hospitality thing without grumbling, because it isn't easy. It's not just hanging out with your mates. It's reaching out to people who are totally different to you. It's not easy. It'll impact you. Secondly, hospitality impacts God and angels. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, this is the second verse I want to draw your attention to about hospitality in the New Testament. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers For by doing this, 
some have entertained angels without knowing it. Wow. Oh, that's one of those scary verses. Now, in the Bible, you see examples. You see Abraham. You see Lot. You see Manoah, who was uh, Samson's dad. These are people who, in the Old Testament, you see that they entertained angels, cooked them meals. And at first, I don't think they realized it was angels. And then when they did, they were freaked out. But the, the book of Hebrews here is saying, do not neglect to show hospitality. Now, there's a warning there because we have a tendency to neglect this, right? Left to our own devices, we will live within our comfort zones. Wake up. Do not neglect to show hospitality. So easy just to flip into your comfort zone, what's comfortable and convenient. Hey, the writer of the Hebrews say, come on, don't neglect to show hospitality. Don't neglect this one. You'll, you'll, you'll be tempted to. Don't. For in doing so, some of you have entertained strangers and you weren't even aware of it. So apparently, to the people he's writing to here, apparently it wasn't uncommon for this possibility to happen. So I can conclude, therefore, that maybe some of you, almost certainly, some of us, whether we know it or didn't know it, have entertained angels unawares. I mean, just as a, as a, as a matter of interest, if you have ever had, an, and you know it, an angelic encounter where you met an angel, maybe at the time you didn't realize, only it was afterwards you realized, a proper angelic encounter with an angel from heaven. If you've had one of them, just pop your hand up. I'm serious. Hands up. There's one at the back there. Come on. There's another one. Any others? There's another one. Oh, someone's scratching their mouth. Okay. Okay, it's a few. And every time I ask that kind of question, I'm never, never shocked because it isn't as uncommon as you think. Feel free to talk to these people afterwards about their story. But if I was to ask you if you've entertained angels and you weren't aware of it, how many hands would, well, you don't know. <laughs> Almost certainly, though, some of you have. But that's a kind of like, wow, maybe you could have entertained an angel. But Jesus takes it to another level. Jesus, when he was sending out the 12 on mission, his 12 disciples on mission, he said to them in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. In other words, if you welcome someone who is a believer, even though you don't know them that well, even though they may be a stranger to you, if you welcome them, you are literally welcoming God Almighty into your life, into your home, into your environment. You're welcoming God Almighty. That's amazing. There's a Canadian Catholic sculptor called Timothy Shamals, and he produced a series of sculptures entitled The Homeless Jesus. They actually are, they feature in many cities around the world now, one of them is in Glasgow, and uh, it's, it's just an amazing sculpture where if you look at the sculpture and you look closely at the face, the face is anonymous, you just see the, the mouth and the beard, you don't see the face. It's an anonymous face deliberately because the sculptor wanted us to think that actually it could be Jesus and we didn't even know it. And it, it, will, it could be any one of us. It could be any one of us. And the only thing that identifies the, sculptor, the sculpture as Jesus is the fact that there are scars on the feet, the scars of the crucifix, uh, of the nails through the feet. And he, he got 
this idea of doing this sculpture from words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 25, when in, in that last great judgment, people will be brought before God, and, and Jesus will say in verse 35, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger. Remember, Philiozenos, lover of strangers. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. The, then these, these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? See, it won't be obvious. Oh, that was Jesus. That, it won't be obvious. Or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing. And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. The king will say, I tell you the truth. You will hear these words, not from this stage. You will hear these words when you stand in heaven. You will hear these words. When I was hungry, you fed me. You're going to hear, he said, when you never did it to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. You can allow that to impact you right now. I promise you, it will impact you 40 years from now, 50 years from now, 60, whenever that moment comes for you, it will impact you then. You see, loving your neighbor as you love yourself, that's a great thing to do. What about someone who doesn't believe in God? Loving someone who doesn't believe in God, loving an atheist, loving someone from another religion, loving someone who's different. Okay, loving someone who's different. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself is loving like Jesus loves. However, when you love a brother or sister, you are loving Jesus himself. It's not just loving like Jesus. You're loving Jesus when you're loving a brother or sister. Loving an atheist is loving like Jesus, but loving a brother or sister, boy, that goes deeper. See, when I'm talking about this stuff here, folks, I'm not just talking about, and you know as a church, we've got four teams a week go out and work with the homeless. We love working with the strangers, and we love working with people who are not yet believers, and we love working with people who are out there, not in the church yet. We love that. But what Jesus is talking about here isn't that, even though it definitely applies out there, it's that this applies in here. That there are people who are called brothers and sisters, when you love them, you're actually loving Jesus. When you receive them, you're receiving God Almighty into your life. So hospitality impacts you. Hospitality impacts God and angels. Thirdly, hospitality impacts others or strangers. Romans chapter 12, this is the last verse I want to talk to you about regarding hospitality. Verse 13, when God's people are in needs, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Say eager. Say eager. Say eager eagerly. Go on. Say eager. Eagerly than that. Say eager. Eager. Hospitality. When it, the word, remember the Greek word? Philio xenos. Lover of strangers. It's not like it means you're okay with strangers. I'm okay with them. Or it doesn't mean I'm on the fence with strangers, not against them. 
It's not like, oh, I have nothing against strangers. I'm not racist. I have nothing against strangers. Or, you know, I wish strangers well. That's not the definition. All of those are in neutral. What the Bible is saying is, lover of strangers, you're not in neutral, you're in gear. It says, be, always be eager, say eager. Always be eager to practice hospitality. In the Amplified Translation, it says it nice and loud. It says, pursuing the practice of hospitality. Pursuing the practice of hospitality. In the ESV translation, English Standard Version, it says, seek to show hospitality. You're eager. You're pursuing. You're seeking to show hospitality. You are off the fence when it comes to hospitality. You are in gear. You are looking for the opportunity. You are, this is a part of your lifestyle. You're not neglecting it. You're not on the fence with it. You are committed to a practice. You're living this way eager to show hospitality, pursuing hospitality. So let me just give you, in closing, uh, 20 ways, no, no, (laughs) nine ways. See, when I say nine now, it doesn't seem so bad now, does it? See, so nine ways to actually put this into practice in your lives and in this church. Okay, number one, on Sundays, welcome people who are different to you. On Sundays, welcome people who are different to you. James chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, James says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man with filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand here. (laughs) How shan would that be? You stand here. Or sit on the floor by my feet. Come on, seriously? Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, next Sunday, we've probably got Scotland's richest person and most generous person coming to our church, Brian Suter, brilliant believer. He runs the stagecoach buses, and he's probably Scotland's, one of Scotland's wealthiest men, but he's also radically, radically generous. I see when Sir Brian Souter comes. You don't you'd be very friendly to him, but I want you to treat the homeless person or the poorest of the poor among you as well as you'd pre- treat Sir Brian Souter. And I'm not saying that because I don't want you to treat Sir Brian Souter well. I want you to treat him really well, but I also want you to treat the visitor really well. Now, James starts this comment. He says, he starts it by saying, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, do not show favoritism. Why does he start there? Because Jesus Christ, who is the highest of the high, was willing to associate with the lowest of the low. That's why he starts there. And then he goes on to say, if someone comes into your gathering, they're wealthy, and there's a poor person, do not show favoritism. But he starts with Jesus, because Jesus, who is the highest of the high, was willing to associate with the lowest of the low. And also, whenever you read anything in the book of James or in the book of Jude, these two guys were very unique among all the other New Testament writers. James and Jude were the physical brothers of Jesus. Their parents were Mary and Joseph. So when James is saying, don't show favoritism, guess probably where he saw that. I'll tell you where he saw that. He saw how his brother interacted with people who were the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor, treated them the same. Loved them all to bits. Loved the rich people, loved the poor people. Loved the Gentile, loved the Jew. 
Just love people. He saw that in the life of Jesus. So welcome people who are different to you. Don't just, by all means, have your gravitational pull to your, your peer group. No problem. But don't only do that. On a Sunday, look out for people who are different to you. And deliberately go make them feel really welcome. Now, if people start welcoming you at the ends, don't be paranoid thinking, why am I so different? Right? Just chill. Okay. Number two. Number two. Take responsibility for welcoming. We want to be a big church that gets even bigger. Anyone with me? Okay, three of you. That's, that's encouraging for our future, all right? Well, I said we want to be a big church that gets even bigger. Okay, we are a big church, one of the biggest in our city, one of the biggest in Scotland, and that's not saying much. I mean, Scotland, there's no church yet with a 1,000 attendants or over. That day will come, and I'm cheering on the bigger church in the city and the bigger churches in the nation, and I'm believing that we will all cross that 1,000 barrier, like the four-minute mile, for the glory of God. And I'm praying the churches that are stuck at 50 will get to the hundreds. The churches that are stuck at hundreds will get to the 200s. Time for the church to arise. Say amen. That's what I want. I'm longing for that. Cheering on my brothers and sisters who are leading churches. Now, we want to be a big church that gets even bigger. All right? You've chosen, you didn't choose to go to a small church. You've chosen to come to a big church. And our desire is to be a big church that gets even bigger. Now, the myth that exists is this. Oh, big churches, they're unwelcoming. You've heard that myth? Oh, they want to be in a big church. They're so unwelcoming. Well, I, I would say that a big church could be unwelcoming. You know, if you, if you come on a particular week and you go out with no one noticing you, it's a possibility it's unwelcoming. But also, I would say that small churches can be unwelcoming as well. Maybe that's why they're small. Okay, just, just saying, just saying. But big churches can be, but also big churches can also be phenomenally welcome, and small churches can be phenomenally welcome, and they will grow. You know, the problem isn't the size of the church. The problem is the ethos of the people. That's what makes it welcoming or unwelcoming. We want to make our services in the city the most welcoming place, and online, we want to make online environment the most welcoming environments we can make it for the glory of God. Now, there was a survey taken recently that looked into reasons why people came to a church and stayed in the church. When church members were asked in this survey, why did you join the church? 93% of them said, I joined because of the pastor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, really, the rest of the survey is pretty meaningless, but, that, but let, me, let, me, let me tell you the rest of the survey. When asked, if the pastor leaves, will you leave? Now, just to be clear, no intention of going anywhere. But in that survey, when asked, if the pastor leaves, will you leave? 93% said, no, because I have friends here. Now, there was a bit of a transition. Lyle Shallow, who's an expert in church growth in America, he's, he's done extensive research that shows the more friendships a person has in a congregation, the less likely he or she is to become inactive in their faith and leave. I mean, we could have predicted that one, right? In other words, you being a friend to others will help them in their faith. It's not just forget you for a minute. Think about them. You being a friend to others will help them in their faith, will help anchor them. In contrast, a survey of 40, sorry, 400 church dropouts who were asked why they left their churches, 75% of them said, I didn't feel anyone cared whether I was there or not. See, a church member doesn't have to know everyone in the church to feel like they belong. Research has shown that the average church member knows 67 people, whether the church is 200 people 
or whether the church is 2,000 people, the average church member knows 67 people. So church, be radically welcoming of people. Take responsibility for welcoming. The problem in a bigger church is you assume, look around you just now, look around you in the the rows, look around you, beside you, behind you, see all these people. You assume, oh, they're probably regular here, I just haven't seen them. And you assume, oh yeah, someone from the welcome team will have welcomed them. That's what you all assume. And that's a a trap. Because if you assume that, there's a possibility we might miss people. That you might not get the welcome you deserve. So number three, come weekly, come early. All right. I'm really surprised you're all early today. How did that happen? Oh yeah, this is the week the clocks change. Yeah, yeah. Some of you been, have been here since half past nine in the morning. <laughs> yeah. See, at the other time in the year, we always send a reminder out, please change your clocks. This time of year, I say, I don't care. <laughs> if they come at half nine, at last, they're here early, all right? So, Come weekly. Why am I saying that? Why would I advocate coming weekly to church? Because actually I want you to grow in your faith. I mean, how much naff stuff do you get put into you every week? Do you not think you should at least invest in your soul enough to gather every week with God's people, worship the true gods, hear Bible truth, go home encouraged? Of course you. You deserve it. You owe it to yourself. Come weekly. Make it a regular pattern, just like you're breathing in and out. And come weekly, every week. Just come every week. Come every week. Just like you eat your meals. Certain things in life are just going to help you grow strong. Come every week to church. Second thing is come early to church. Why would I say that? Well, it means that when we, one reason is when we start worship, we're all worshiping together, right? It's not like scattering people and then we can other people join. No, no. Let's worship the Lord's all together in unison, together, from the get-go, okay? And second reason I suggest come early is because often early is when the visitors come, all right? When a visitor is looking, oh, what time does the church start? Oh, it's at that time. Better not miss it. I'll come early. And then they turn up to find that none of those who are committed to the place have come early, all right? That's crazy. Slap your neighbor. No, no, don't. (laughs) Come early. Come early. Turn up before the service starts. Here's why. One big reason, and it's not, this one's not to do with you. This will, in fact, you, if, if you want to help yourself, don't do this one. But if you want to help others, do this one. If you come early and look around the cafe, guaranteed every week you'll, feel, you'll see people who have never been to church before. And they'll be the ones quite often looking at the pictures or standing over with their coffee, not knowing who to talk to. You be the person who talks to them. Now, we've got an official welcome team. Let's hear it for our welcome team. Yay. <laughs> Brilliant, folks. Love you all. And you do a great job. But I want you all to come next week in red t-shirts. All of you. (laughs) No, you don't need to wear the red t-shirt, but all of you are now officially in the welcome team. Turn up before the service starts. Spot someone you've never seen before. Give them a welcome. Okay. Number four. Help orientate people. Now, you see, when someone comes to your house, what would you do? You, you kind of say, all right, here's where you put your shoes. Toilet's through there. If you want a glass of water, the kitchen's this way. You, you help orientate them. So do that when people come to this house. When you see someone who's new, you know, if you see someone's family with kids, then just think, okay, they don't, maybe, maybe they don't, maybe they've been here before. That's a big deal. When you arrive as a family with kids to a new environment, that's actually a big deal. 
So think about, well, if you're a family with kids, you tell that family with kids how they can sign their kids in for kids' church. Here's what will happen. We'll sing a song. Someone will stand up and, 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 and say some things, and then the kids will go out, and at that point, here's what you do. Help orientate them. If you see someone with teenage kids, all right, what to do is don't avoid them. Okay, just kidding. Right. <laughs> I've got teenage kids. So what you do is you say, okay, you, you, you think, all right, let me figure out where a few other teenagers are. Let me introduce those teenagers to that, those teenagers. Or if, if you've got teenage kids yourself, hey, um, can you sit with, why don't you sit with my kids? You can even say to anyone who visits, hey, why don't you come and sit with me? Instead of them coming to sit randomly in one of these rows in the cinema, just sit with you. Help encourage them to feel part of it. If you meet a student, say to them, listen, uh, let me introduce you to a few other students here or tell them about the authentic student ministry. You don't need to know all the answers. Just find someone who does. Oh, are you a student? Well, let me meet you, help me introduce you to this student. Number five, welcome people who are sitting near you. Now, we pride ourselves in being one of those kind of modern churches. We're not a traditional church, are we? We're not a traditional church. And yet, you all sit in the same places. You do. I look out and I think, okay, uh, where's Rosie and Ewan? Rosie and Ewan are usually back here. I can't see. Rosie, are Ewan, are you here? No, they're not there. They're not here today. I saw him. I saw him coming. He's maybe up at kids' ministry. And then so I look around and I think, okay, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, the back row, guys. Enoch, you guys there. Yeah. You, you, honestly, you all say, you'll say, oh, we're not a traditional church. Yes, you are. Look at y'all. you all. Look. Yeah, see, you guys, same place every time. Oh, there's this. You're usually at the back, mate. What, what you, did, you didn't put your hand up. I saw you there. Right, so every time, right? You guys, third row gang. Right? You're always there. Isaiah and Bo, Graham and Kat, same place every time. Predictable. Now, here's the thing. If you sit in the same place every time, that means you're a traditional church. But the likelihood is if you look around you and you see someone who's not sitting, and they're sitting on your row or on your seat, right? (laughs) You can safely assume that they're probably a visitor. So you look along your row and think, they don't usually sit here. Or look at the row in front of you or the row behind you and think, okay, they don't usually sit here. Likelihood is they're visiting. So take ownership of your row and the rows around you. I'm sorry, take ownership of that. You are now pastor over that row. (laughs) Welcome everyone in that row. Okay, next point. Welcome people who have come with others. Now, this is a really important one. If, If you've brought a guest with you to church, now, you're going to be with them. That's good. But you kind of want others to come up and say hi to them, don't you? You don't want just to be like, oh, the only person who talked to me there was you because I'm your guest. And what, that's, what you, that's your experience if you invite someone. But your experience if you're looking at someone who's been invited is you think, oh, they're okay, they're with someone. That's what you think looking on. But if you're the one who's invited them, you're, you're thinking, I want others to come up and welcome them. Is that not right? Okay, so when you see someone with someone else, I mean, don't interrupt their conversation, but go up and give them a welcome. Hey, it's lovely to see you here today. So don't feel like you can't be the person who welcomes someone who someone else has brought. You actually need to be that. You want them to be introduced to other people. Number seven, consider joining the welcome team. Really cool story. From back in 2004, I heard of one of our church members who was visiting the church for the first time back in 2004. And when she came... 
she came to the service, left the service, and one of the welcome team noticed her leaving, and I, and I don't know if anyone else had welcomed her. So he, the welcome team member chased after them, said to them, it's so good to see you at church today. Got into conversation, brought them back in, introduced them to some people, and that person today, 15 years later, is in our church, serving core part of our church, and his lifelong friends to those, with those people they were introduced to in that service. Isn't that awesome? Welcome team, love it. So, I mean, I, hey church, I would like every one of you to serve, because servant, being a servant is being like Jesus. Find an area you can serve in. Find an area, whether it's kids ministry, youth ministry, PA projection, uh, the, the TV ministry, we so need you to be part of this. There is a place for you. But one of the teams you also want to consider is the welcome team or the catering team. These guys in the welcome team and the catering team, you're just in the coal face welcoming the new people all the time. Why not consider? And that's quite an easy ask. It's not a huge amount of preparation you need to do before you come. You just t- come early, get the red t-shirt on or the apron if you're in the catering team and just get involved and just be a friendly face. Makes the world of difference. Number eight, engage with a small group. Go to a small group. You know, we're in the loneliest city in the UK. Part of church is to be a community within the community, to be like a family among the families. Church, the best way to be church family is in small group. Through the week, small groups meet. Join one if you're not already part of one. Now, when you've joined a small group, when you meet a new person on Sunday, why not say to them, oh, if you want, you can come with me to my small group this week. Invite them along to your small group. Hey, here's another one. Why not become a small group leader? Why not be the person who does the hospitality, who opens your home week in, week out? If you can't do every week, we can do an every second week small group. That's okay as well. Small group leadership is awesome. We give you the training you need to do it. We will give you the ongoing mentoring and support. We will, you will be allocated a mentor who will work with you and give you the support you need. And every week you'll have the joy of opening your home. Why not, you may be in a small group, why not become a small group leader? Why not rise to that awesome challenge? We need more small groups all over our city to be able to cater for the congregation that's growing here. And then finally, use your home to reach people. People who don't yet know Jesus. Welcome them into your home. It's a great way to introduce them to the life and love of God. So church, hospitality, so, so important. Impacts you, so impacts you, because it's not just hanging out with your mates. It's loving people. It's filio xenos. It's loving the stranger. Number two, hospitality impacts God himself and angels. This up-levels hospitality completely. And then number three, hospitality impacts others. Give yourself to something that will be a total blessing for other people. It's a simple thing, but it really makes the world a difference. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that, God, you are the most hospitable one. That, God, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, you came into this world, and the reason you came was to open up salvation for the whole world. Your death on the cross and your resurrection made that salvation possible. God, thank you so much that today you're the God who welcomes people into your arms. And God, we want to be like you. We want to welcome people. We want to welcome people, yes, who are like us, but also definitely those who are not like us. We want to be a hospitable, generous-spirited, welcoming congregation. That's our heart's desire. 
in Jesus' name. Okay, church in God's presence, take a moment. Online church, church here in person, take a moment to make your own response to God just now. If you feel stirred afresh to not just be living for yourself, but just to be living this generous, outward-looking, hospitable life, then take this moment to make that decision before God just now. Make a fresh commitment to hospitality. Fresh commitment to being that person that loves others, that loves a stranger. While people are praying, I want to give you an opportunity today. If if you're not yet in relationship with God, God really loves you. Boy, he loves you. And he has got such good plans for you. But those plans begin with you saying yes to Jesus. God wants to welcome you into his eternal family. He wants to be the greatest host so you can have a place with him in heaven, but also a place with him on earth, a relationship with God. If that's you today, want God in my life, then this moment is for you. Just under your breath, if you're saying you want God in your life, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, then after me, pray this prayer, one line at a time, quietly under your breath. Pray, dear Lord God, thank you so much for your love for me. Jesus, thank you for being willing to die for me on the cross and rise again. Thank you for opening up salvation to me, making it possible for me to be welcomed into the family of God. Forgive me for all my sins. I ask you to give me a whole new start. I ask that today you would come and live in my life. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you're alive right now. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Take first place in my heart. And from now on, I'm going to follow you. Thanks for hearing my prayer and accepting me today as your child. Keep your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you whether you're praying online or whether you're praying here in person. God has heard your prayer and he's accepted you. Just while everyone else's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I'd like to pray for anyone today who prayed that prayer in order to know who I'm praying for. Very simple. I'm just going to ask you to quickly raise your hand and say, that's me today. That's the decision I make. Just quickly raise your hands and then place it down again. Thank you. Thank you. Is anyone else? It's a great decision. And those who are responding online, their online team will connect with you as well. Before I pray, is there anyone else who prayed that prayer? Just quickly raise your hand. Say, that's me. I'm, I'm choosing to follow Jesus today. Lord, thank you for those who prayed that prayer. Thank you for hearing them. Thank you for saving them. And thank you, God, for welcoming us ultimately into your family and into your kingdom. Bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen.